Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Ah, uh, what's up, wrestling fans? We are back. The Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, coming at you with episode number 83. My name is Brandon Olinger, and join with me, as always, is my man, your man, Ben The Law Watson. What up, what up, what up? Did you really just stand up, arms spread out like you were being announced? You're damn right I did. I almost thought about spreading my butt cheeks like Mike Honcho. <sighs> I don't even know how to respond to yeah. that. <laughs> I did a full spread. Do me a favor. Keep your butt cheeks closed for this episode, for the duration of this episode. As soon as I post this bad boy and leave your house, you can spread your ass as much as you want. Uh, I ain't waiting for you to leave. I'll wait for the end of this episode, but I ain't waiting for you to leave. You're going to wait for Dayton Fix to get on your back? Oh, <laughs> put a mug on him. Saddle up and ride, baby. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Saddle up and ride. Next time I see DeSanto, I'm just going to go throw a penny in him and see if I can ride him like a pony. Oh, my goodness. He got ridden like a freaking rented mule. All right. Let's not get too deep into this. All right. We got to finish this whole intro. Not quite as deep as Dayton fixed it against DeSanto. (laughs) No. no, Because he was balls deep. (laughs) He was was deep. Um, Shit. Where'd (laughs) I leave off at? Oh, all right. So, Ben, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing great, my man. Dude, I tell you what. I don't know why, but I'm so fired up i think it's just because regular season's over boys. it's done and it was a hell of a regular season and we learned a lot and there was a lot of surprises but i'll tell you one thing a lot of shock there was a lot of shock i'll tell you one thing it it did not um disappoint i mean there was a number of different things but it did not disappoint and now i'm excited for the postseason man i now it's bracketology time now we're just looking at brackets all over the place and i cannot Wait, dude, I'm fired up. I'm geeked. I'm fired. That's why I stood up. I'm telling you, I'm geeked. That's why I stood up. This is what we wait all year for. And you're right. This regular season did not disappoint. I I think there's so much that happened this year that preseason we were like, nah, never, never, never would some of this stuff happen. And I want to talk about some of that stuff at some point in time. Kind of like, what are the biggest surprises of the season? Ooh. But that's the great thing about this country, Ben. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. All right. So I got this weird ass freaking wart on my left testicle. You could talk about that one with your wife. Oh. Okay. Let's not throw. Primary care physician, probably. Let's not. I've been hiding that one from my wife for a while. Listeners. (laughs) All right, guys. This is the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 83, as I said. (laughs) Worst. (laughs) <laughs> Catch us on Twitter at the Inside Trip One. Get out there and find our Facebook page, The Inside Trip. <laughs> Follow it. Ben does some posting every once in a while. I've been, hey, I've been hitting that Facebook up lately. You post our episodes on there. Yeah. Can you do a little more? I don't get on it. I don't get on it. What do we, we got? Like 170 followers on Facebook. 
Our Twitter is blowing up way more it than that. Doesn't matter. I feel like it's more important for us to get the Twitter hype than the Facebook hype. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because Gertrude, old granny, ain't following us on Facebook, bro. She will if you post some shit worth following. All right, I'll do that then. All right, I'm gonna start posting nude pics of myself. Don't do that, dude. Are you gonna let me get through this? Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, got an Instagram, the Inside Trip. Go out there, find it, follow it. We're still working on that one as well. If you want to send us an email, you know where to hit us up at theinsidetriporn at gmail.com. I apologize in advance for where this episode's going to go. Ben is off his rocker already. <laughs> As for the podcast itself, you can find us on all the podcast locations. Yep. Yeah, most notably, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher Spreaker, places like that. Go out there, find your favorite podcatcher, download it, find the podcast, subscribe, download, listen. And if you don't mind, give us a rate and a review. We got a recent rate and a review lately. We got a recent review from uh, a dude in Nevada. Great review. Gave us five stars because he says he's listened to us for over a year, which I like that because the people that give us two and three stars that listen to us for over a year, I'm like, why are you still listening? This guy gave us a five stars, but he did, he did take a little offense with you uh, getting a little political a couple episodes ago. I didn't get political. Yeah, I, I know. It, it was a pol- political joke. And, I, you know, I think that bottom line is, I thought it was hilarious, regardless of what side of the aisle you, you fall on. It's okay. But you know what? We'll take that feedback into consideration. We'll, we'll ease up on our president. I don't, you're, you're right. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> God, dude. <laughs> All right, man. Let's talk some wrestling. You want to talk some wrestling? I want to talk some wrestling. All right. Well. What an amazing weekend, right? We had the big Iowa-Oklahoma State duel. That had was fire. We had Ohio State Cornell with one of the biggest matches, individual matches of the season we've been waiting for. It did not disappoint. It, it disappointed a lot of Buckeye fans. Right, but I mean, even as the a— The match e- itself did not disappoint. No right, way. even as a fan of, of, of Joey McKenna, I think that it, it, it's hard to say that that match disappointed. I mean, that was an excellent match. I think it just shows you how good Yanni is, and I'm sure we'll get into it. Additionally, we had tons of great— Individual matches throughout the weekend. We saw some upsets. We saw some surprises. Um, just, just a bang-up way, an amazing way to end the regular season that was already uh, such an amazing regular season in its own right. So, You know what I noticed about the last, um, the, the last duels of the season? Not very many people sat, right? Like we saw this kind of trend throughout the year where people were kind of sitting for one reason or another during big matchups. I mean, everybody freaking put their balls in their back pocket and wrestled this weekend, and that was awesome. That was awesome. I love it. So, I mean, without further ado, you want to get into a little bit of cowboy Hawkeye talk? We have to. We we got to start here. What was your thoughts, initial thoughts right now? Initial reaction. Gallagher Iowa was crazy. Oh, it was insane. I would be nervous to wrestle there if I was coming in there, man. They hey, they showed up in droves and they were not only not only did they show up in droves, they were loud, they were hostile. And I tell you what, they got behind their pokes and they freaking cheered them on to victory because Oklahoma State put a freaking whooping on Iowa. That's probably the best I've seen Oklahoma State look in a long, long time. From start to finish. Now, granted, there was a couple of matches, uh, most notably 149, where I right. thought um, it was a bit disappointing. But from the get-go, Oklahoma State looked phenomenal. Let's just let's just go ahead and address the elephant in the room, man. What's going on with Spencer Lee? Oh, my goodness. So we talked about 
Mr. Nicholas Piccinini, and you know we've we've tooted his horn all freaking year about about how good he's wrestled. What was the one knock? Ah, eh, you know he hasn't beaten quite the elite level of competition out there. I think his best win is did he beat Sean Russell? I think he might have beaten Sean Russell and Ravon Foley. And Ravon, he might not have wrestled Fo- Russell, but he beat Ravon Foley and Patrick Glory. But we, we we looked at him and we said, man, you know some of the things he's doing. Let's remember how um, Nick Piccinini ended his season last year. He got not pinned. on the podium. Yeah, he got pinned by Spencer Lee on the championship side of the bracket. Pinned, and then he got teched by Lezak in the round of twelve. Ugly, right? For a guy that took fourth the year before. This dude, as we said last weekend, might be one of the biggest level jumpers all year. Going into this, that's what I'm thinking. We both picked, well, I picked Lee to beat pitch by decision. I think you went back and actually ended up picking him to lead by major. by major. Correct. But Nick Piccinini came out there, and the biggest surprise to me, Mr. Slick Willie, Mr. Freaking Low Singles, Shuck By Guy, got physical with Spencer Lee. He, he was did. banging hard in the ties. And I thought his game plan was Perfect, especially when he went underneath Spencer Lee. I think people were surprised when he went underneath Spencer Lee. It was a surprising move because last year Lee dominated from the top position. Both times. And Piccinini's game plan, basically circling hips away from Lee while sealing off the inside, was perfect. Right. Because Lee perfect. Gets, yeah, Lee gets on top and he, he tries to go for that head lever. He wants right? the wrist. He yeah. wants to, he wants yeah. your wrist and, and he, he wants to bar you up. He does it via a head lever, right? A lot of times yep. he sticks his head in that armpit and tries to tries the head lever, that elbow to kind of break inwards, not outwards, and, and to get that wrist. And he wasn't able to do it. And every time he even got close to the wrist, Piccinini was already up on his feet. He worked up on his feet so often, you know? I mean, that, that, that eventually Spencer Lee had – I think he got out. Pitch got out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, eventually Pitch got out. And I tell you what, that that right there is a concern. I'm pretty sure. The fact sure. that it's not auto-ride. And, and the thing was, if you think about it, Piccinini goes underneath him in the second period. And they played that game four or five times. It wasn't until the fourth or fifth attempt where Piccinini finally got out to right. his feet and got the escape. They kept on going out of bounds or you know, something of that nature. Got, you know, got that escape. But... And then aside from that, Ben, and I, I, I don't mean to jump to this, but it's, it just gets me excited thinking about it. When he got in on that shot attempt on Spencer Lee, what does Lee always do? Lee loves Those the splits. splits. He loves the splits. And I was like, cradles and right finally, there. Finally, somebody took what it, what was right there in front of him. He they bullied him into him up. It. Oh man, he bullied he, him into he it. He mean mugged him right into that cradle, and it was game over. Game over. I can't believe he took him over so easily. He got the cradle, and I'm like, okay, here we go. This is going to be a dogfight. Like, Especially on the edge. Right, and I'm thinking I'm thinking Lee's so flexible. This is going to be a dogfight. Pitch may get two here. Because I'm looking, oh, is it he two? He's got two shoulders on two? the mat. And all of a sudden, that, that freaking son of a gun, pitching Nini, should have went to Rutgers, pulled up, cradled him, threw him to his back. He almost like, he bullied Spencer Lee on that, and during that match and pinned him. And I tell you, I think the most important part and, and, well, besides the fact that he did game plan him on bottom, he game planned him on his feet and scrambled well and stayed out of all of Spencer Lee got in on a couple high crotches and he kept on reaching back, reaching back, looking for that arm. For that arm. He wouldn't leave the he arm. He wouldn't hanging. leave that nope. arm hanging. Nope, notice Spencer, that as well. Yeah, he was like, you know what? If you're going to beat me by taking me down with a high crotch, okay, but you're not going to beat me by hitting me with a dump. Pitchinini was like, 
You're not going to beat me by hitting me with a dump. He scrambled well. He's, which pitch is a good scramble? He scrambled so well. He got out, and he took him down, and he bullied him. He bullied him. He said, look, you know what? Maybe that's what the coaches saw. Spencer Lee, very technical, very good, but let me get in his face. Let me get in his face a little bit, and he did. And I tell you what, I, I thought the pitch had a potential shot of winning. Like, I mean, you know, I picked the decision Lee. But I didn't, I didn't see a freaking – he crunched him up. He crunched him up and threw him over. Threw him over. I think – okay, look. You bo- both of us thought that Pitch probably had a chance to win. Everybody at his caliber has a chance to win. But if we're being honest with ourselves, it's hard to get the two matches from last year out of our memory. Um, and, and let's face it, Spencer Lee dominated him last year. I think he, what, majored him in one match, pinned him in the second match. Am I right? 10-5. Okay, 10-5. to five. And that was after uh, Lee basically kind of gassed out in the third period. Yeah, Lee gassed because okay. got two takedowns. Exactly. So there we go. So, but, I mean, the, both of those wins were dominating wins, convincing wins, where you're thinking, I didn't see anything in those matches that say Piccinini has a chance to flip this easily. Right. We talk about can a match be flipped, right? C- correct. We talk about that a lot, and, and, I, and I think it's, it's a good word to use. Like, hey, no matter how close the match is, can it actually be can flipped? Can it be flipped? And, I, and there we were like, maybe, but probably not. But we're saying that based on uh, the Spencer Lee that we saw this year and what we've seen out of Piccinini this year. And you're right. You said this in the beginning. The big unknown was Piccinini's having a great season, but the level of competition hasn't been as great. Russell, Foley, Patrick Gloria's three best wins. He didn't really have that marquee right. signature win. Which are solid wins, right? I mean, let's not, let's not, go, let's not get crazy here. That's, that's, a, that's a win. I mean, he, I mean he's beat, he beat a true freshman, a guy that's never been on the podium, and a guy that's been on the podium once. Right, but, but watching him, we're thinking, hey, this dude could probably take third, fourth in the country, for sure. He, he's back to his, his ways of scoring. Oh, I'm, of course. I'm not sure we thought that. You know what I thought that was the thing that stood out to me the, the most? He wrestled with confidence. He didn't wrestle timid. He wrestled like he was the better Bingo. wrestler. Bingo. I can't believe it. That son of a bitch must have the best freaking um, sports psychologist in the world because he went out there, and it was like, dude, he just went out there and bullied him, and he was like, I, this is my mat. I'm going to win this match. And Spencer Lee, again, for the second or third time, really second time in as in, in, in many months, looked lost at times out there. Looked like he didn't have an answer for anything Piccinini was going to do. Yeah, I think, you know, Piccinini just, he out-wrestled him in every position. He out-game-planned him. He out-hustled him. He out-scrambled him. He was more physical. And, look, the result speaks for, for all those tangibles right there. There's so many questions that come from this match that I think we can probably spend hours discussing. We I'd can love go, to. We can go into what the hell is going to happen with seating at 125 now, especially if Spencer Lee takes another loss at the Big Ten Wrestling Tournament. That would be a um, nightmare for seating. I, I think it's going to. I think it will be a nightmare for seating. Um, something that I've been pondering all weekend, and I know. Look, they they've said this multiple times that Spencer Lee hasn't been himself this year, whether it's been injury or sickness or whatever it's been. But is this a situation where he came into college basically at his max potential almost already, and we're seeing other guys continue to take jumps and get better? Man, that's a that's like an eighteen part question, right? If you really want, to, if you really uh, right, want to, that's what, I mean, yeah, you right. Could, if you really want to diagnose it, it's like, do we think that because we saw Spencer Lee win a national title last year? not even a year off an ACL tear, or about a year off an ACL tear. You know, granted, you know, I, I don't know. It's, was the competition better? I mean, you had NATO, 
right now you had NATO on an ACL tear. So if NATO's ACL wasn't torn, would he have beaten Spencer Lee? I don't know. I mean, he beat him once with, an, with his torn ACL. Was the competition better last year? Look, yeah. I, I mean, I, I honestly think that 125 was stacked last year between was, Soriano, right? Tomasello, Spencer Lee. Um, obviously, you had Piccinini there. Lee Zach. Um, Lee Zach. I mean, you had uh, Sebastian Rivera, Taylor Lamont. You had, you had March Lee Zach, I mean, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So I, I think there probably was better competition last year. Now, but. Now, now I'm now I'm th- thinking I'm really thinking this thinking this out loud now because point, look yeah. we saw Spencer Lee take a close loss midseason at Midlands to Ronnie Bresser all right? last year last year much like he did with Sebastian Rivera and we, and we kind of threw that we kind of uh, wrote wrote that off as dude true freshman losing to a, a pretty game All American wrestler he also lost in Tomasello at the Big Tens right acceptable loss acceptable loss so is this just Typical is Spencer Lee a guy that we're going to see take a few, couple of losses throughout the season and then come March light it up, or are we seeing some issues here? No, we're seeing issues. We're, 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 I, I think we're seeing issues in his loss. To, remember, he would beaten Tomasello in the duel. Oh yeah, I was there. His loss was a really battle loss to, to Tomasello at Big Tens, and I, I, I think we got to remember how good Tomasello actually was. Right? I mean. Took first as a freshman, then third, three, three years, years in a row. That. Yeah, I mean it was a two to one. Yeah. It was a two to one match, right? Including Tens. including one with a freaking torn ACL. Um, I think that I don't think Spencer Lee looks as dominant this year as he did last year. I agree. Right now, I he agree. doesn't. He 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 looked timid against pitch. He looked like pitch. He when you watch wrestling, sometimes you can see who's dictating. Even if a match is close, you can see who's dictating at all positions. There was not one position that Piccinini wasn't dictating in this match. You're 100% Spencer correct. Especially was chasing a win the entire time. Chasing a position the entire time. Chasing him while he was on top. Chasing him while he was on feet. And by chasing, I mean like, hey, you're not the one dictating here. You're chasing to get back into the position to where you can dictate. Piccinini dictated the entire thing. I... I don't think Spencer Lee looks like he did last year, and I don't know. I have no reason for it other than there could be a number of different reasons. Is the cut tougher this year? I mean, is he actually cutting some weight this year, whereas last year he wasn't cutting some weight? It, if people figured him out, that's fair. No, oh, I think that's a fair question right there. I, I think they're both fair questions. You're a, you're a carry and cross wrist guy. Exactly. You got two great things. And I people mean, know what you want on things. top. Yeah, and on top, like you said, head lever. Capture the wrist, work to a bar, and there and work from there. Right. So I mean, he did. You're right. Your I feet? think he is scoutable. On your feet, we were going carry all day, right? That's what he does. You you, you Piccinini blocked it off. He went elbows out instead of tying elbows in. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean it was the perfect game plan. I mean, I've gone back and I've watched this match three times, and it's. If you're a fan of wrestling, it, it really like the game planning and technical aspect of wrestling, and you are light years ahead of where I could ever be in breaking down technique. But what Nick Piccinini did was, it, it, it was like, it was a work of art. I mean, it was. it was a work of masterful art, like uh, uh, a Da Vinci or somebody like that. I mean, that it was that amazing what he was able to do to that match. Because you, you, like you said, he dictated every position. He and then he out game planned him. He out hustled him. He out scrambled him. He out physicaled him, and eventually he locked up the cradle and got the pin. When a lot of guys in that situation would have battled for a stalemate or or, ca- or, or the takedown. Take and the thing is, and, and look, I'm not picking Piccinini to pin him next time. But I tell you one thing I am, I'm picking Piccinini to win. And let me tell you why. 
because that game confidence. Plan, that, yeah, confidence for sure, for sure. And that game plan is repeatable. And Spencer Lee's got. I, I, if I say this, it's going to sound terrible, but he's been limited, right? His, his his scoring attacks are a little limited, and if you have a repeatable game plan against them, he's beatable. And now, would it? Fucking shock me if Spencer Lee went out and beat the shit out of everybody and won the NCAAs. Not at all. It wouldn't shock Not me. Not at all. Not one bit. But I tell you what, for the first time this year, I don't believe Spencer Lee's the favorite. And that shocks the shit out of me because I drafted him first in the fantasy draft overall. Uh, and I'm with you right there. And that's the one thing that I, I've, I've been hung up on all weekend and I can't get over is for the first time, like you said, for the first time this year, it's almost like... It's almost like knowing a superhero is human. You know what I mean? Well, it isn't real anymore, There boys. you go. There you go. You know, um, if you would have told me six months ago that at this point in time of the year that Spencer Lee and Zahid Valencia would each have two losses to two different people, I'd have said you're full of shit. Right. Spencer Lee in that weight class, what we expected that weight class to be, Zahid Valencia, Zahid who he is, I, nah, you're full Last of shit. Last time Spencer Lee wrestled, were very majored him at NCAAs. Piccinini's been last time he wrestled Piccinini, he pinned pinned him. It's almost like finding out like that, you know, the person that's actually mommy's kissing Santa Claus is actually just your dad. You know that doesn't even make any sense. But I I, I, I like saw where mommy you're going. kissing Santa yeah, Claus. It's really just your dad. I got you. So really, Spencer Lee's just my dad, and he, he's let me down. Big All right, time. so <clears throat> excuse me. Um, <laughs> real quick on seating. Yeah, let's get into it. So. Uh, but let's not dive too deep into this 125 seating, but I think there's an important question to be asked here, and that's, let's say Rivera wins bigs, Piccinini comes out unscathed, wins Big 12s, wins Big 12. Who gets that one seed? I, oh, I, I think that that's TBD. I think that's such a coin flip, right? But that's why I'm asking you. Of course it's TBD. I think you probably got to give it to Rivera based on head-to-head competition, or not based on head-to-head, based on quality wins. I think two wins over Spencer Lee is better than one. And I think Rivera's beaten... Well, Rivera didn't get a chance to wrestle Russell, but he's beaten Bresser. That Bresser win gives him the, the one, right? Let's be honest. That Bresser win gives him the one. I don't know. I Why just, would it be pitched? I, I just don't know. Why would it be pitched? So I don't think a guy bumping up in a weight class, taking a loss, should hurt him. Oh my God! If, if we're I don't think, into no, that. no, no, no. I don't think it should. But when you have two guys, that'll be a nightmare. Very, very similar resumes. Okay, similar wins, similar accomplishments in the year. Do you take into consideration a loss outside of a weight? No, you don't. I, I don't think you can. I think that would really hinder future super matches like that. One and two. Rivera's beating the next best guy in that weight. Rivera's because pitch. Let's just say Spencer pitch Rivera one two three right now. Um, Rivera's beating or excuse me, the Bresser's four. Rivera's beating Bresser. You got to give him the one. Pitch the two. Spencer probably not the three because you got Mueller who's undefeated, who will be the three. Vito undefeated now. He he his only loss is at one thirty three. So I don't think you can take that in consideration. Is he the four? And then Spencer the five? Mm, no, I don't think you'll see Spencer at five. Why not? I, and, and I'm not saying I disagree with you. I, I just... 
Um, I, I think you take a see so you take a guy. Um, you take Spencer Lee, assuming he doesn't win the bigs. Let's say he finishes runner-up to Rivera. Right. Okay, so you've got two losses to who you're saying should be the one seed and a loss to the two seed. So does that really drop him down to the fifth seed? No. I don't think it I should. I don't think so. I don't think it I should. I don't think so. I've argued that for years, Brandon. Exactly. No, I'm saying, and that's my answer. But, I don't think it does. But we've seen the damn seeding committee. It, we have. I, you're right. I just don't think it will. I don't, I don't think, think it should. I don't think there's any way in this damn seeding committee, and I don't like it. Anyway, Spencer Lee is the five seed. I don't think there's any way that they see Spencer Lee over Mueller. Absolute shit show at 125 in March in Pittsburgh. I don't think there's any way they see Lee over Mueller. If Mueller's Mueller undefeated. does not have any marquee wins. He doesn't have any good wins. So let's 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 look at it from perspective of if, if if it matters. Rivera one, um, pitch two, three would be Bresser. So four four does matter. Well, it doesn't really matter. Four five Mueller Lee. I guess it doesn't really matter unless unless they really get a fucking wild hair up their ass and want to get a Rujo up there. I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah. All right. Can we go to one thirty three now? <laughs> because oh, oh, you know what? I'm excited to go to one thirty three, but I'll tell you who isn't excited. Hey, or excuse me, Austin DeSanto. Because he don't want to play. That was anymore. ugly. He don't want to play anymore. That no, he does not. And that that was so ugly. But you know what? I love Dayton Fix now after that match. I I love him. Love him. I'll tell you one thing. I mean, Dayton Fix wasn't that impressive. Let's not get, like, crazy. No one he's saying he is. Look, I'm not saying he, he, he impressed. I'm not saying his offense was on fire. I don't care about any of that. I'm worried here's, about his offense at the NCAA things, tournament. There's two things you can't debate from that match. One, he did what it take to win the match. And two, he did to DeSanto what DeSanto has been doing to everyone else. And he made DeSanto look like the bully Look like the bully who is an absolute fraud. He pawned him. He's a fraud. He pawned, he, he pawned he DeSanto. He, he did. He straight up choked him out. And and do you think that Dayton Fix was like, yo, for all those times that you acted like a freaking jackass in front of other people, I'm about to put freaking, like you said, put your mug on him, saddle up and ride, and I'm going to choke you out a little bit. Absolutely. Because you know 100%. what? 100%. You think you're the man, but you ain't the man. The way Dayton Fix acted in that match, he acted like a guy that could not stand the antics of Austin DeSanto. And when you look, I'm sorry, when you look at the still shot of Fix, double boots on top, hipped in, arm around his neck, just doing ungodly things to him, the look in DeSanto's eyes. It's unchristian. The look (laughs) in Austin DeSanto's eyes was pure panic and terror. Yeah. What am I supposed to He's tell a fraud. My, what am I supposed to tell my children about that match? I, you say kids, this is why you don't act like a fraud bully. <laughs> One, I don't have children. Two, you know what? He did pawn him, but you know what? I'm a little worried about Dayton Fix's offense. But 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 that being said, let let's give DeSanto his due. He's a very solid wrestler. And they both seemed like they knew what each other were best at. And DeSanto watched that throw by. DeSanto was able to stay out of that inside trip. And you know what? Dayton Fix was able to control that hand enough to where DeSanto couldn't get to his carry. Correct. I think DeSant- I think Dayton Fix knew that he was going to win it on the mat. I think I really Dayton- think he did. I think that's one of the great things about Dayton Fix is he is a type of guy that goes into every match knowing that he's going to win that match. Doesn't but on the mat, doesn't I mean, mean he's always going to do. It. Oh, you mean like in mat wrestling? Yeah, he knew okay. he was going. Oh, I got yeah, you. yeah. I got you. I think I he. You. I think he didn't take any sort of like un- unnecessary risk because he was like, I'm gonna get out and. Like I said, I'm going to saddle up and ride this dude. The very first time, man, he threw those double boots in, and DeSanto tried to tripod up, 
and Fix just took the elbows out from underneath him. He said, nah, bro. No. It was it was game over from there. And that still shot, man, we are going to get that. We're going to get it blown up. We're going to get it framed. And we're going to put it on our podcast room wall. I like DeSanto. Oh, that's good. I like Dayton Fix. Do you like DeSanto? No. I, I'm sorry. I just can't get down. Do I like his style of wrestling? His actual He's wrestling? He's a brawler, yes. baby. I love his pace. I love when he gets after it. Do I like his antics? Hell no. Yeah, Do but- I like a guy pissed off because he's losing at the national tournament and trying to Kimura guy and literally break his arm, dislocate his shoulder because he's, that being, was a, because he's being a whiny bitch because he's losing? No, I don't like that. He, he, didn't, he, he did seem to handle the loss with class this time. How else are you going to handle tapping out to somebody? <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> he did tap out. Tap out triplet him. <laughs> he tapped out real fast. So on our tap out list, we have Austin Myers. Austin Myers. Jaden Ironman. Ironman against baby Thomas Solo. Tapped his bitch ass out. And, and, <laughs> and Austin DeSanto. DeSanto. Man. Um, to get into the match a little bit, I, th- I thought that DeSanto, or excuse me, fixed wrestle a little bit more conservative than he needed to. You know, I'd like to see a takedown. I think that that might be where it, it bites Fix in the ass at the NCAA tournament is his inability to take down. He couldn't take down Nick Seriano. DeSanto could. His inability to take down the best wrestlers. So that's undeniable. I, at least at this point. Can, then let me let me just pose this. Let me play devil's advocate. Yeah. Have those best wrestlers taken him down? Nikki Phillippe did. And I would put and him up there. that's a match that he lost. But I'm talking about, you bring up DeSanto, you bring up Nick Suriano. Yeah, I know. Did those guys take him down? No, they didn't, but, but... So, it says a lot about a wrestler of his caliber who can still win matches without getting a takedown. Yeah, but can you get snake bit at the NCAA tournament? Of course, that? absolutely. That's, and I'm, but you can't all I said deny. Was I'm worried. All I said was I'm worried about his ability at the NCAA tournament based on that. I'm not saying that... Uh, that's I fair. like Dayton Fix, too. Let, you know, don't, 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 don't let it... Don't, Stop yelling at Don't me. let it fool you. I like Dayton Fix, too. But I feel like you can get snake bitten if you can't score on the best guys. I, I think you're right. I think you're right there. But with that said, you can say that about all the best guys that's wrestled him that has not been able to take him down either. True. And, and he still wins those matches. The ability to ride. Oh. The ability to ride. And choke the shit out of you. Now, I think that his double boot ride is stalling. But by rule... It's not. We can think what by we rule want. it's not. By rule it's not, and we can think what we want to think about it. But you know what? Until they change the rule, it's not stalling. I'll He's racking you, up riding time. I'll tell you one thing right now. I'm getting out of date and fix all day. Okay. Um. So I guess that means you want to go to 141. Anything you got to say about? <laughs> I'd this? like to get down to 141. <laughs> <laughs> Max Meir and Cade Brock. My boy Cade Brock is back. <laughs> I mean, he won a match. That's, that's good for him. He hasn't been looking so hot this year. He like prior to this match, he'd lost like what three out of his last five. One, he looks small to me at this weight. Like he, he's obviously. A you think the mustache player. makes him look bigger though? I don't know. <laughs> he looks like a freaking 141 pound porn star. <laughs> you ever watch Friends? I've seen a couple of eps. Why? You ever seen like it was like one of the eps from season two before like Rachel and Ross get together and they find this old VHS tape and it's of uh, uh, Rachel and. Uh, and uh, Ross's sister, I can't remember her name. Um, anyway, it's their prom night, and Rachel's date hasn't shown up. And like they're trying to get Ross to take Rachel to the prom, and they like show Ross on the camera, and he's got like this old, you know, uh, um, this old curly, you know, curly fro Where with, a, going, with a big bro? mustache. I don't know. That's what this what Kate Brock looks it. like. I ain't seen it, but that's fair. That's fair. yeah. I don't know, dude. Like Ron Jeremy. Well, he's in better shape than Ron Jeremy currently. 
I just, something looks off with him. You know, I, I his attacks looked great, right? His slick, his slick high crotches looked great, and he beat a formidable Max Murin, a guy that got pinned by the dude from Indiana the other week. He beat him eight six. Cade Brock, I'm concerned. Well, and, you I'm know, concerned. we've talked about it ad, ad nauseum all I'm season, concerned. okay? And I don't think anything's changed. Um, I think last year you would expect Cade Brock to beat a guy like Max Murin much more decisive than this. He grinded out the victory. Good for him. Well, what does it do when you start losing? Starts affecting your confidence. Boom. And and everybody that's listening to this podcast knows confidence and the mental game just important, if not more, than the physical game. Cade Brock has all the gifts and tools. Who was it? I forget. Somebody posted on Twitter or whatever, or it was a message board, that Cade Brock looks like he's been trained by YouTube highlight videos. Because basically, all of his moves are so amazing and beautiful and slick. And he, when he wrestles with confidence, he beats the likes of uh, Cody Brewer. He beats the likes of Corey Clark. When he's not wrestling with confidence, it, 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 he, it's just not as, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not impressive at all. And the fact that he only beat Max Muir in 8-6 is actually kind of a disappointment in my, in my mind. I thought that he was going to go out there, get the major, and get his, uh, get his season kind of back on track. And he, and he just didn't do it. Talk to me about 149 because right now I think – I don't think there's something 100% right with Caden G. Feller. No. Okay, I, I really don't. I think – and here's a guy who looked really good – when he was pulled into the starting lineup, when Bulawalan originally went out, was beating guys, beating top ten guys, won the scuffle, um, and then since his weekend out east where he lost to Ashnault and Kaladzic, he's then come back and he's recently taken a loss to Brock Mahler and then obviously now loses to Pat Lugo. So he's not... Right now, he's not wrestling, or he's not on. He's not on the type of streak that he would like to be going into the postseason. Talk to me about this match. So I read that G. Feller is suffering from an injury. Right, there's a rib injury there. Well, there's been some situations. If you've watched his matches, there's been some situations where, in my opinion, it looks like he's apprehensive to really extend himself in certain right. situations. Um, that said, that's the best Pat Lugo we've seen. All year, correct. I, I will not attacked. disagree with that. He took shots. We, we've seen a Pat Lugo that actually, um, you know, took um, took uh, Ashnault into overtime, but really didn't do much. This Pat, this version of Pat Lugo can get on the, the podium. He was shooting his high crotches. He was finishing his shots against Gefeller, who actually is pretty damn tough to finish on. And um, why do you think? So one of the things that makes. Gefeller's so tough, in my opinion, is his is his scrambling ability. Yeah, I mean, he never, defense he is really never good. stops moving. He's got great scrambling ability. But do you think sometimes he, he almost looks like he's uh, wrestling, he's not in control of himself, and that puts himself into bad situations? Well, what did uh, Coach Lanham say? Co- you know, when, when, we, when we did an interview with Coach Lanham, he said, I'm, i got to get these guys to focus on, you know, he didn't say head hands, baseline. I've got to get these guys to focus on baseline defense first. And then, you know what, after they've mastered the baseline defense, let's then move into scrambling when we get in a position where the baseline defense didn't work. It seems like Caden Gefeller is giving up on his baseline defense, and he's um, accepted the fact that every time somebody shoots on him, he's going to put himself in a scramble position. And when you're wrestling— A la Dean Heil. Right. And when you're wrestling elite-level competition— and even Pat Lugo—let's not go elite-level with Pat Lugo, but extremely solid— you know, round of 12 type 
competition, you put yourself you put yourself in that position that many times, you're gonna get taken down. And Pat Lugo, I, I'm I was very impressed with the way Pat Lugo wrestled this match. I can't remember every series, but I do remember the fact that he lived on Gefeller's legs and was able to finish as many times as he needed to. Oh yeah, and reversed him as well when he needed to. Did he reverse him? I'm pretty. Pre- I know he reversed him, and I know he kicked. He started the match off with basically like uh, one of those uh, uncontrolled two point near falls. Right. So from a Gefeller trying to from scramble, we're trying to scramble. Right, because so, Lugo was in on his legs. Oklahoma State needs Gefeller to get on the podium. Okay, and I think Gefeller's been a guy that lots of people have talked about all year long, especially in this wide open one forty nine pound weight class. That there's a lot of people out there that think he has finalist potential. Now, I think. What we've seen of him the last month says he's got a lot to work on to make the finals. And right now, based on what we've seen out of him his last two matches out against Brock Mahler from Missouri and Pat Lugo from Iowa, dude, he's got to figure some things out or he might find he, – he's not going to find himself I, on the podium. Yeah, I'm not putting him on the podium if he wrestles like that. You can't put him on the podium if he wrestles like that. So, you know, I think that that's the um, that's the story at 149. Lugo looked really good. Let's not take anything away from Lugo. And Gefeller didn't look his best. These are two guys if you, are, that are trending in opposite directions right now. Uh, Gefeller's coming off two pretty bad losses to two very solid guys, and Lugo is coming, you know, t- going into the postseason on two pretty solid wins over two solid guys. I think he uh, had a nice one over Cole Martin from Wisconsin, and now this match against Gefeller here from Oklahoma State. So obviously trending in the direction he wants to be trending in going into Big Ten wrestling tournament. Um, I don't think there's really, in my opinion, a lot to say about 157 and 165. I think those matches went about how we expected them to go. I'd, I'd like to mention one thing about 165. 65, if you don't mind. You can mention as many things as you want. Alex Marinelli is a motherfucker. I don't think we've ever said anything differently. That guy well, is Well, I don't think mean. we've ever really said that. Excuse but. my language. We are explicit. Alex Marinelli took Blaylock down and said, my team needs a pin. And he just freaking ripped his arm off until he could get it. Marinelli might be one of the baddest dudes in NCAA wrestling right now. He's a bad man. And I still think he's actually one of the most underappreciated guys in that weight class. Oh, well, if you I appreciate want my honest him. opinion. I, honestly, Ben, I think the majority of people talk about Vincenzo. They talk about Evan Wick. Sometimes I think Alex Marinelli gets left out of the conversation a little bit. And I think this is a guy that's on a mission, and he hasn't. I don't think he's ever wrestled any better than he has this year, especially right now. I mean, I think he's the best wrestler on their team. That's that's a bold statement. I think he but is. But you know what? I, I, I'm not sure that you can argue against it right now. Now, now where I would remember put, when he committed to Ohio State, <laughs> where I would put the brakes up is if you had a healthy Michael Kimmer on that team. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay? No, Michael Kimmer would be the leader. Michael Kimmer is an amazing wrestler, but it makes you think. He was supposed to go to 174 this year. Was the reason he was going to 174? Because he couldn't, he beat couldn't the bull? go to 165. Because right. that's where the bull is. Maybe, or maybe he was. Maybe he pulled. A, I suck so much weight. I don't even want to cut anymore. The Jordan Cutler, right? Yeah. And like literally, like even 65, I got to cut. I hear you. Yeah. So yeah, but either right. way it goes. Hey, hell, Alex, hell of a point. Alex Marinelli. I think people forget was like one of the top recruits outside of Mark Hall the year they were seniors. They were just the same weight class. Exactly. I got a question for you. Where's Alex Marinelli from? Miamisburg, Ohio. Yeah, literally like five minutes from where we live right now. Literally lives down the street from I me. mean, 
he wouldn't be as good as he was if he wasn't from Dayton, Ohio. I mean... So Chandler he, Rogers goes assassin. If he didn't wrestle at Graham, you're right. <laughs> <You know. laughs> hey, speaking of Chandler Rogers, best victory celebration I've seen all What's he doing, dancing a little long. bit? He did, the, he did the best OSU with the pew-pew pistols at I, the I end. I liked it. Loved it. I loved he it. He did the lasso rope. And he, he did the O, the S, the U, pew-pew. Hey, and, and before people were like, well, pew-pew. You allow him to... To, to have fun But not anybody else know Hey when Mark Hall wins And he plays the guitar Or whatever Or when Bo Nickel wins We're okay with that The only time I've ever Got mad at a, a Mark Hall celebration Was when he was yelling In uh, Bo Jordan's ear Other than that I've been completely fine With all those Well did you ever stop To think that maybe Bo Jordan has bad hearing <laughs> He was like I'm beating you <laughs> I'm gonna be No he was actually like I'm gonna let you up here In like five seconds No So, so don't forget guys That we, we, we're, we're cool With celebrations We're cool with celebrations We're not cool with the DeSanto antics, but we're cool with celebrations, and I thought it was a good celebration. I thought it was amazing. I, it was it was the best. It, it was literally the best I've seen all year. The crowd got fired up. I hope it's not the last time he gets to celebrate, though. Or when he stuck Bowman, excuse me. No. That's... What the freak are they doing? They're, yeah, exactly. What are they doing? No, it's, it's going to be... Because he was at 74. So what, what needs to happen, and John, if you're listening, old Johnny... It needs to be Joe Smith better get his ass together and better wrestle well at 65. Chandler Rogers was cutting a shit ton at 65, so I think he'll be fine at 74. He's an All-American guy. 84, got to be Jacoby. What are you doing? Why is Jacoby We've dropping? We've talked about this before, Why man? is Jacoby We're, dropping? We've talked about this. I don't know. Look, there's You're no, putting gear in? The only is, guy that's never All-American? There is nothing else we can say about this. Right. We just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, you know, Jacoby, nice win over a two-time round of 12 guy. Cash I Wilkie. thought that was a great win for Jacoby. He looked good. A he great looks, win. He looks every bit weight. of 184, even down at 170. Cutting weight takes on a guy like Cash Wilkie, two-time round of 12 guy, who many people expect to get on the podium this year. He's a solid wrestler. Yeah, Cash Wilkie's a, he's a very good wrestler. Right. And he's one of those guys that's just outside. He's just been outside All-American status. Yeah. And I would not be shocked in the least bit if he's on the podium this year. Right. And Jacoby Smith... Beats him like he did. It wasn't like a dominating victory, but it was a it was a sound. He weighed in winning. at one seventy eight point three. So cutting weight, yeah, he's cutting weight, and he does that to Cash Wilkie. To me, that was impressive. I don't get it. I don't get why Dakota Gear is the man at eighty four. No, I didn't. I don't get it. I, I I'll I'll never be until they sh- until we see the final um, team. Uh, makeup, I won't get it, and I, I don't think I will either. Um, Weigel's back, as we saw. He Weigel, Weigel, he beat Warner five to three. Warner's a very formidable opponent. Weigel's definitely a guy that I, I'd be very shocked if he didn't get on the podium this year. And I thought Weigel looked really good in that match, specifically Ooh, I that I specifically that first takedown. Here's a guy that's missed the majority of the year. Okay, M- literally missed the majority of the year. He's come back in the last few weeks. I thought he looked. Very good in that match for where he's at at this point in the season, especially that initial takedown that he got against a top five guy in Jacob Warner. Yeah, Warner's a paper champion at this point to me. Like I, I, I'm not sure what he's done. You know that it really makes me extremely excited about him. Um, again, wh- so you're I think, saying Weigel didn't look good. That's your opinion. I, I didn't. Well, I didn't think Weigel looked overly impressive. I think Weigel's definitely an All American at this weight class, but it wasn't like. I guess I, I'm not. I'm not thinking that Weigel's going to challenge Bo Nickel or Colin Moore. 
No, or, no, no, know, no nobody's point. thinking that. I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking he could get on the podium for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. For sure. <laughs> 100%. Dude, it smells like It smells like a fart right now. Here. I, thought, I don't know I who shit you themselves. Farted. Was it you? No. It wasn't me either. Is your wife cooking My something wife downstairs? My cooking some farts. <laughs> Derek White beat Sam Stoll. Sam Stoll's having a rough go of it right now, Sam dude. Sam Stoll might be the most boring wrestler in the history of wrestling What does watch. he do? He gets to a lock. He gets to his over-under and just hangs. <laughs> He's don't... hanging with Mr. Cooper and that over-and-under, man. <laughs> Derek White, though, is impressive. Like, I mean, uh, did you see the duck under he hit on Stoll? I mean, that is <laughs> yeah. ballsy to – I mean, it, not only was it slick, and not only is that duck under going to work on any heavyweight in the country except for maybe Gable. <laughs> Gable. That's ballsy to say, I'm going to try to go under Sam Stoll and hope that I can get out quick enough to uh, – to, uh, or, you know, get, the, get to the corner quick enough to get around. That was – the fact that, uh, that Derek White didn't just play the Sam Stoll game and push around and he actually went for some offense makes me think again that he's uh, he's probably, at least at this point, opposite Gable. And I know their match was 8-3 to three last time, but it, he'll make it an entertaining match. I think Gable wins, but I think it'll make it an entertaining match. Now, I'm not counting out Kassar, who I think that can beat Derek White, but the last time they wrestled, White did dominate him. But uh, Derek well, White's... 4-3. to three. Yeah, Derek White's kind of... Kind of, kind of made a name for himself here at the heavyweight uh, division. Uh, you would—he's definitely uh, worked himself into one of the top heavyweights in the country. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Going from a, an unknown one ninety-seven pounder to one of the top heavyweights in the country. Um, what I like about Derek White <laughs> and Kassar and Gable is you have three heavyweights who are all very athletic, very strong. And they actually have some offense. And I think those are the three guys that are going to be in the mix right. for the top two spots this year. I really can't. I'm sorry. And Desi as well. We can't forget about Desi. We don't know what De- Yeah. You Des- never know what Desi's going to show up. All right. You know, and he's got an injury history and all of that. But look, he, he's a two-time All-American. He took third last year. Um, he's as seasoned as anyone in this weight class because it feels like he's 30 years old. Right. Um, but he, I'd be shocked if he won it. But I could see him sneaking into the finals somehow. Right. But the problem is, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think he's going to be on the same side as Gable if he's the four seed. Uh, There's a lot of potential there. You know, there's a lot of potential for that there. But what I like about that is you've got four heavyweights, you know, three, four heavyweights there that are all. um, Don't forget about Conan Jen. They're not boring to watch, okay? Um, And I think it's going to make things interesting. Um, Derek White hitting that duck under, and if memory serves correct, he didn't immediately score off the duck, he hit the duck. To a shot, right? To a right, leg, right? Right? They were on, yeah. They were on the edge, and he, he no, he had to finish it like now, an adult. Now, let's not let's not get twisted here. Look, Sam Stoll's not the the most fleetest of heavyweights, so I mean, <laughs> Derek White could have probably just crawled underneath him and get, you know ducked under him. No, I yeah, I think I think the whole the whole point we're trying to make is the fact that Derek White actually did, made the conscious effort to like go under Sam Stoll when Sam Stoll that's what he wants. He wants somebody to shoot on him so he can spin around. And Derek was like, Derek. <laughs> he wants somebody to shoot on him. I'm sorry. Oh, God. I did not mean that. I swear to God, I didn't well, mean that. <laughs> on him, not, not him. Not him. He wants somebody to shoot on him. Is that ever not going to be funny? No. No. It will always be funny. It's going to be funny to me. God, I can't wait when we look back. When, we, when we've been doing this podcast for 10 years and we look back at old brackets and we're like, old Sam Stoll's knee. <laughs> 
speaking of, there was a few people in Atlanta when I was down there that got a kick out of BBT. What's that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Another nickname we had for uh, for an Iowa heavyweight. We'll leave it there. We'll, we'll leave, leave it, it at that. that. But um, anyway, man. Uh, yeah, I think um, it'll be interesting to see who comes out on that half of the bracket to make the finals opposite of Gable. I think right. we're. I think the consensus the consensus opinion of everyone is that get that Gable's going to make the finals. Right, it's Who's Gable versus White or Kassar, in my opinion. And at this point. I'm I'm picking White based purely on their last last match with Kassar, with the caveat that certainly Kassar could do it. I mean, Kassar's been Kassar's shown some really, really. I think if I had to pick between the two of them right now, I'd actually pick the opposite and go Kassar. Yeah, and, so. and that's that. That's not that. I have no debate against that, except for the fact that White beat him once. That's all I got. You know about all that. Right. That's all I got to say about that. But I tell you what. There was another pretty damn good duel between uh, some top eight opponents or top seven opponents. Or Let's talk about Ohio State Cornell's and Cornell, right. my man. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we got we to give love to our in-state Buckeyes. They did what they did again last year for the second year in a row and had a really tough duel scheduled for the last week of the season yep. and went out and dominated. On last the road. Year, yep, on the road. Last year they went and dominated, dominated Okay, I'm putting my hand North up. Carolina I'm State. putting my hand up right here, okay? Uh, and I'm sorry because you cut me off, so you better be good. All right. I, first of all, I apologize. I cut you off. I've been actually trying to work with my little daughter about interrupting people, and it's rude. She would be super disappointed in you. She right now. would be. So I would be a hypocrite right now. But Ohio State dominated the score of the duel, but there were a lot of matches where Ohio State did not dominate. In fact. There was really just a couple of matches that Ohio State actually dominated. The rest of them, they were in dogfights in. Now, I think it's great that that Ohio State ends the year with a very nice road dual win, especially after the loss they took you know, to Penn State not too long yeah. ago. Okay, It's an but, excellent road win. 100%. But Ohio State did not dominate Cornell. No, I okay? mean, the, the final team score was dominated, right? I agree with that, and I guess I was trying to make the correlation to last year when the final team scores when they dominated North Carolina State, when North Carolina State was loaded, when Mymar beat Renda and all those things, well, and Ohio beat State Tariq. Was, last year was probably one of the greatest teams of all time. Right, they just happened to finish second. But what I'm trying to say is that I guess I guess where I'm trying to go is, hey, it looks like Tom Ryan has a plan here. Well, one you of the things we've talked about this before. I think if there's one thing that Tom Ryan is extremely good at, he is a master at the peaking process. The results speak for themselves. I mean, he's always had Ohio State in contention or winning trophies at the end of the season. I mean, and I think that is indicative of his process that he has refined, mastered, and that he believes in, and that he gets his wrestlers to believe in. Right, and, and I guess that's what I was bringing up: is that hey, Ohio State, hey, um, is it Jan- is it February? Late February, yeah, it looks like it is because they just went on the road and beat a really good team by a big score. Okay, I'll give you that. You know, look, don't let me be Debbie Downer here, but I am going to say, after yeah, watching after watching that match, look, we've got some issues at some weight classes. We knew that and all it's year. It's a little bit concerning. We knew that all year. The same thing, like you just said, Brandon. This isn't the Ohio State team of last year. This isn't. We're not contending for a title. They're not going to finish with the highest, most most amount of points ever for a runner-up team. That's just not going to happen. But but let's look at the t- ten guys they're putting on the mat, and are they are most of them wrestling at the level w- w- with which they are 
capable of doing right now, where they're not wrestling below where they're capable of wrestling. And so, I would say yes. All right, so let's just go ahead and let's start out talking at 133. I, I, we, we can skip 125. I think Heinzelman, it's not. It's, it's basically what you would expect, okay? Six to nothing, Arujao. Right. Okay. One thing I'd like to say about Heinzelman is, is he's, he, he fights hard. And I know that's, you know, you don't get a participation ribbon for that. But I do think that he will qualify. And but he's got a shot to win a match at the NCAA tournament. And I think that it's going to be beneficial for him to go have gone through this year. And I know a lot of people met or talk about, ah, was it was it the right thing to do to pull his red shirt? You know what? I think with a guy like Heinzelman, you're 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 constantly recruiting 125. So I think it was beneficial for them because he's going to get some experience this year. And when he puts some size on, I think he'll be an All American before his day's done. You know, at Ohio State, I, 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 he, he has the talent, he has the pedigree. I still think he's got a lot to grow. A lot of growing to do before I'm going to say, yeah, he's going to All-American before it's all said and done. And the reason why I say that, Ben, is because like you have alluded to many of times, you don't think – actually, you think his days are numbered as a starter because they're going to continue to recruit. So right. I'm not sure he's going to have that opportunity to become an All-American at some point in time because Tom Ryan and company will continue to recruit that weight class, and they may recruit him out of that starting spot. Either way, I do agree with you. He does fight well at 125. I like the effort. I like the fight. I thought that was a match that could have been blown blown much more open than it was. It yes. was it was, it was a hand it was a it was a hand, you know a, a solid beating 6 to nothing, right. all right? And we weren't close to scoring. But it wasn't getting Well, we were we we were close in a takedown situation. He got out scrambled. He got out scrambled. And, and he actually didn't get out scrambled because of muscle. Vito which is better. Oh, speaking of, man, Vito was noticeably bigger. Than Malik, I oh. mean, like Vito's like huge, one and a half times v- bigger than this which kid. Almost concerns me, like about can he hold that weight for three days in a row? But I think Heinz will be fine holding that weight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he can hold Vito three have days to, in a row. I don't think he's going to have to do it for three days in a row. But <laughs> but yeah, no, um, you're right. I think that he, you're right. He could have been blown out, and it wasn't. I even text you. You know, I thought it was going to be a major by Cornell. It was a decision, six to nothing. Though, look. It's always I would feel much better about his growth and his maturity as a starter if we could have scored some points. If he can get out on bottom, yeah. get out on bottom, he can't get out. Maybe get a takedown. Okay, that just score some points. He can't get out. He can't. And you know what? A lot because of because he's small. A lot of smaller true freshmen they can't. They get can't out. get out. But I'll tell you what about one thirty three. And I called it like a couple of weeks ago, and I asked you, and you and you disagreed with me. And I said, does Pletcher look worse than he did last year? Well, and you said no, and I I think he does. I think he looks worse than he did last year. I don't think he looks worse than he did last year. I think it's, I think this is the Luke Pletcher that we've grown accustomed to watching. But he won. I, I, I told you before this match. I thought this was a trap match for him. I thought this was a trap match. But he wins. He 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 always seemed to win these matches last year. And even even at one forty one, he seemed to win those matches. So. He's this not is, winning them this year. But this, th- does that mean he looks worse? I don't think it necessarily means he looks worse. Last year, how many of his victories last year could have been flipped real easily by one s- minute situation? But what did he do in those matches? He scored an offensive point. He hasn't been able to do that. He didn't score an offensive point against Purdue, against Thornton. When's the last time he scored a freaking offensive point against anybody of note? Yeah, he beat the crap out of the guy from Nebraska. What do we call an offense? Is I'm bot- talking about is, a takedown. Is, is bottom man offense? No. I'm, I'm <laughs> He's not been able to score an offensive point against anybody of note in a while, and it's that a is a point. problem. It's a valid point. That's a problem. It does not bode well at this weight class going into the postseason. I got him outside the. I got him. I got him around a twelve in it right now. Well, and you know what? You can yell at me. 
I'm not going to. But I'm basing it on what I've seen. I'm not going to yell at you, and I think it's perfectly fine to base it on what you've seen. But what I'm going to base my prediction on, my not being in a, a homer from Ohio prediction, is that I have watched Luke Pletcher wrestle above his ability for two years in a row at the national tournament. Granted, he did not All-American as a freshman, but he was up a weight class, and he had Anthony Ashnault on the fucking ropes to win that match, and it just slipped through his fingers at the end. Last year, if it hadn't have been for the most the hottest guy at the national tournament and Tariq Wilson, he would have finished third in a very brutal Be- weight class. Being in a really good Cade Brock at the time. Exactly. Instead, he finished fourth. So I've seen... Pletcher wrestle like this regular season for two years in a row and it's okay this is who he is but I've also seen the way he performs at the national tournament so I don't have him outside the top eight he needs to do something at big tens or else he's gonna have some bad seeding though the thing that makes he's that you have tough, to beat an RBY or something you know I mean I don't I, like he's gonna have to beat an RBY or he's gonna have to you know dare I say it beat a beat a um um Nick Piccinini or you know, Piccinini's who, at twenty five. Not Piccinini, excuse me. Um, um, Nick Seriano, <laughs> same same first name, different last name. Both sound very Italian. <laughs> um, but you know, he's going to have to be one of those guys to get some seeding in there because right now, I, I, I'm not loving the way he's going to be seeded. He could end up with a freaking Mi- uh, Michik. He could end up with a Michik in the quarters. The thing that does not bode well for him, especially at Big Tens. Five out of the top ten guys are from the Big Ten tournament. If you extend past the top ten, now you're getting into guys like Ben Thornton from Purdue, who most people have in the top 12, top 13 ranking. Right. Which you've has got been a tough Roman Bravo Young as well, who most people have right outside the top ten. So you've got seven guys. We're going to say seven guys, up to seven guys ranked in the top 15 in the country in the Big Ten wrestling tournament. And of those guys, he's lost to RBY. Meechik. And he's lost to Micic. And he lost to um, uh, RBY and Micic. And you would have to think that at this point in time in the season, he's obviously not going to be favored against a guy like Suriano. And he's going to have a Lezak. Who, who he, he beat earlier, he beat four but four to three hey, earlier. You know what? I don't you know like. How I don't like is. a March Lezak. I don't like a March. Nobody Lezak likes either. a March. If I had to pick Lezak versus Fletcher right now in March, I'm picking Lezak. Hate to say it, bro. That's a tough one for me because, look, we know how Lezak is in March, but when I saw those two guys, two guys wrestle the first time, Lezak wasn't ever really in any position to score a legitimate offensive point. The good news is is that Pletcher's going to have an opportunity to really bolster his seat at the Big Tens. Bolster, yeah, bolster his seat for you go out, the Big yeah, Tens. You go out there and make the finals by beating a Soriano or a Mijic, <laughs> you know what, you're going to, you know, you're going to, or even if you take third. Over over uh, um, an RBY, you know, over those guys. If you take third, you know, you're going to have a better seed. Than uh, it. 100% because 133 at the Big Tens, is, it is the toughest weight class probably in this conference with the exception of maybe 165. Right, but if he sneaks out and takes a fifth to qualify, he's not going to be a top eight seed. I think there's a lot of validity in that comment, Ben. That Chaz Tucker loss is going to loom. It will. It's going to loom. It will. What do we always say? Everybody's always like, oh, the regular season doesn't mean much. I disagree when it comes to seeding. It may not. Tries, it that doesn't mean, maybe it doesn't will. mean much from a team perspective, loom, but from an individual perspective, 100%. All right. Let's talk about the match that you and I have been waiting two years to see, and it, it did not disappoint. 
it did not disappoint. It also, the other thing it also did or did not do, however you want to look at it, um, I'll say did, is it just solidified how damn good Yanni Diakamahalas is. I mean, he got two takedowns in the first period. You know, and, and Joey McKenna fought him off as well as he could, but they, he he really didn't have much for him. Yanni was just just savvier, just a savvier wrestler in that in, in that match. So Ben, you talk about matches being flipped. Can they be flipped? And th- I think this is one of the a great match to to actually kind of take a look at that point of view because while an outsider looking in who didn't watch that match sees a score of seven to five, you've really got to dive into how that score came about you've got Yanni with three takedowns to one escape you've got Joey McKenna with one reversal and three escapes is this a match that can be flipped it can, it can be and, and here's the reason why Joey McKenna was in on Yanni's legs a, a significant number of times and a couple of adjustments can allow Joey McKenna to finish those that I mean let's 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 just get the freaking cat out of the bag that ankle pick when Joey had uh, Yanni's leg in the air was brilliant it was brilliant you know what else so from a tactical standpoint, here was something that I didn't understand. Yes. I did not understand this, and this is it essentially set the tone for the match. So if you watch Yanni, Yanni is a hard right foot lead. Okay, would you agree with that? He is a I, I hard think right foot. Yeah, yeah he's yes, a hard yeah, right yeah, foot yes, lead. Yes. And every his entire motion is into a drop step. So the way he the way he moves on the mat is he's a hard right foot lead. His back foot, his left foot is always coming into a drop step position. So at any point in time, all he's got to do is just level change and attack. Right. So with that said, I agree what, with all everything you just said. With that said, he keeps his trail leg, his left leg, really protected and behind himself, heavy on that front right leg. If you look at Joey McKenna's offense, Joey McKenna can attack both sides. But in your, in my opinion, and you tell me what you think, his best attack is a single to his left side, his opponent's right leg. It's, it's a single, yes, and his second best is a double. Correct, but it's hard to hit a double when you're one when the other your opponent's got his left leg trailing so hard. So this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking as I'm starting to watch this match, okay? And I'm watching Yanni move around in his stance. I'm watching McKenna try to set up his tax. It baffled me. Why McKenna's first attempt at a takedown was a lefty high crotch to McKenna's trail leg that McKenna then countered and took him. It took McKenna took Yanni him down. Countered. I'm sorry, Yanni countered that and easily took him down off that shot. I, I think Why was, are we doing that? I think he was playing too hard into the, the to the um to the scouting game and trying to say, hey, I see, I, I see what he's doing here, but I'm going to try to dictate it to the other side. I don't know what he felt. I don't know what he felt. I I, I thought that. The, the biggest, I guess, one of the biggest things that I think that where McKenna made a mistake was that he kind of played into Yanni's game. You know, um, you know, he didn't really pressure Yanni as much as he should have, and he kind of sat back and let Yanni dictate the match. And you can't do that because Yanni's what is Yanni? A pick him apart guy, right? Yanni's a guy that'll pick you apart if you allow it. I think you need to get a little more pressure. Get a little more in his face, bang a little with him, and do you then think that really do you, honestly though. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Finish what you're yeah. going to say. No, I think you need to bang with him a little bit. Do you think that's really going to make a difference with Yanni? Because Yanni, he wants to bang. He's got one of the hardest left hand clubs I've seen watching wrestling this year. Well, I mean, I don't know. It, 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 what, sitting back didn't work. You know, sitting back allowed Yanni to set up his shots. No, I, you can't allow Yanni to get in on a leg because he finished everyone finish. when he needed to. And that's the thing. I came away from that match. Look, we were all blown away by what he did last year. 
But I especially came away from this match thinking, here's a guy who he can get to your legs from anywhere on that mat. He can create his own shots. He can t- he can get on your legs he from your shots. So much. He's, He's one of the so best well. counter wrestlers. He can match you scramble for scramble. Oh, he'll and, outscramble anybody in this weight class. And the, maybe even Ironman. Maybe maybe even the most impressive thing I saw is no matter what position he's in he's going to finish that takedown when he split the middle on Joey McKenna and then set to his butt to a split yep. with his with his right leg out and still finish that takedown folks we're not talking about Yanni Diakamahalis against a Nate Limix or somebody like that no offense to them that was Yanni against the number three guy in the country, arguably the number two guy in the country, right. Joey yeah. McKenna. Yeah, no, I, no, no, I, I agree with you, and that's why I think that you need to bang a little bit more with him. Not bang in a, an irresponsible manner to where you're putting yourself in a b- bad position, but I think you need, to, I think you need a little bit more pressure. Joey was able to get to his shots, and Joey was able to, Joey was able to come closer to finishing his shots than anybody else against Yanni, and I think that with a couple of adjustments, Joey can finish that shot where he got ankle picked, right? I mean, that was him stepping up with his right it, leg. It was gnarly. Right. It, it was gnarly. Yeah, it was him stepping up with his right leg and stepping it too close to Yanni to get to his feet. I do think he needs to get to his feet with a single leg, but I don't think you can put that right leg too close to where you get freaking ankle picked. Um, where Yanni let go of the leg and went up underneath, or like kind of let go of his lock and went up underneath Joey's armpit and ankle picked him. Um, Joey was able to reverse him. Yanni wasn't able to put a huge ride on him. Joey wasn't able to put a ride on him either, and that was one thing that we were interested in to seeing if Joey could, because Joey has been able to put a ride on most people. I think it can be flipped, but I think you can't give up two freaking takedowns in the first period. No, you can't. And, and I, I maybe this is what amazes me so much about Yanni, man, is I went into this match thinking, okay, either one of these guys is going to win this match, but I think it's a one-takedown match. I thought it was a three-to-two type match. And... There was he, some scoring. He goes out there and gets a quick takedown, another takedown in the first period, eventually gets one more takedown. Uh, you've really got to appreciate what you're seeing with this young kid. Here's a kid who just ended his regular season 20-0. and 0. He's got one loss in his collegiate career. Took, Jaden Ironman. Took the ultimate freaking, or, you know, uh, ran the ultimate gauntlet last year. For the title. With the torn ACL. It's, with the torn ACL. It's impressive. No, I mean, I got Yanni until proven otherwise. You know, I'll let you know. Uh, by the way, I don't mean to go back, backtrack a bit, bit at all, but when you're talking about Luke Pletcher and Michic and Suriano and all that, we forgot Austin DeSanto is also. DeSanto, yeah, yeah right. So, I mean, yeah. Anyway. No, um, good point, good point. Um, yeah, I got Yanni until until proven otherwise at this weight, just like I always have. and um, but, but I think it can be flipped. I think it can be flipped. I would agree with that. I thought Michael Jordan looked impressive. He did what Michael Jordan does, okay? And, again, I I was sitting there watching that match thinking, man, can you imagine if we were able to take Michael Jordan's offense on his feet and combine it with the top game of Bo Jordan, his freshman and sophomore years in college, (laughs) the type of wrestler that we would have? That would be a gnarly wrestler. You know, Michael Jordan— Oh, you're using gnarly now, huh? (laughs) Michael Jordan's got um, the—he's got um, the—he's got everything he wants in his— um, pocket. If he wins bigs, he's the number one seed at the NCAAs because Kalazic just lost to the guy from Drexel. If Michael wins bigs, he's the NCAA number one. He beat Ashnall. You know, they they both have one loss and... He would have the last loss. Right. 
Yeah, they would both have one loss, So right? everything that Michael Jordan wants is in front of him, and I think that's great, and let's see what happens. Now, I mean, he's got to get the, he's got to get there first, and I think he's favored to get there, okay? But right. I don't think it's going to be... I don't think it's going to be a, a, a shoe-in that Michael Jordan is in the finals based on how we've seen him wrestle at times. And you're talking about a Pat Lugo who's on, you know, right. trending in the right direction. Although Mike has beaten um, him but twice before. Correct. No, you correct. Know, ago, I yeah. absolutely pick Michael Jordan to win. Yeah. Um, you know, what Brady Berge is going to show up, assuming it is him, you know, for Penn State. Right. So, but I like what you said there. I like what you said there. He basically controls his destiny. Controls his destiny. Okay. Really, that's the way I wanted to put it. Yeah. And People can sit back if you never if you didn't watch the first match between Ashnault and Micah Jordan at Cliff Keen, then you don't really understand how close that match actually was. Had Micah could if he could have avoided being turned right. as many times as he was. He was down what was he down? Like eight oh and lost. Uh, 15, I mean he lost 10. fourteen to ten. Or I think he was down ten oh and lost yeah, I think fifteen he was, to ten. He lost fourteen to ten. Or, yeah. Or, something like that. And I think he was down like ten to one, ten to something something yeah. like that. Um and ends up losing fourteen to ten because once Micah was able to get back to his feet in the third period, he I mean he picked him he apart. He literally broke Ashnall on his feet. Right. So I think it's gonna be a great match. Um one fifty seven, Keyshawn Hayes. What do you think, man? I'd I'd like to see him turn. A little bit more. He, I don't think we're going to see it. He's not been able to. Last year, he turned Kolasic. Last year, he looked great at 149. Granted, we're up another weight class again. Yeah. But I have not seen him. His top game has been just completely un... What's the word I'm looking for? Un- non-existent. Non-existent. So a great word for this it. is what I'll and say. And that used to be his best position. Let me compare him to Ethan Lezak this year. All right, you even talked about how we haven't seen Ethan Lezak turn a lot of people at this weight. Right, well, not nearly as many. The people at 133 are much bigger, especially compared to compared to how he was at 125 right. against his opposition. And longer. Okay, and you're right, longer as well. So the same thing for Keyshawn Hayes right here. He was able to turn people at 149, but he was really just up one weight class. And you would you could say, okay, he is an average size. 149 pounder right. last year. He's stuck in weight to make 41. A legitimate undersized 157 pounder. Oh, he does not look like 157 pounder. No, and he is not going to turn the likes of Tyler Burgers, Ryan Deacon, Mothman. He's not going to turn right. these types of guys because these are guys coming that, down from 170 plus right. pounds. And, and that's a problem because that's his best position. So now he's had to rely on taking people down. And let's give him a little bit of credit that he's been a lot more offensive lately. You know, he beat, he beat uh, what's the guy's name from uh, Purdue? Periot? Yeah. Yeah, he's beaten those guys, and he's been able to take them down. Look, Keyshawn Hayes is going to be in a dogfight to All-American this year, but it's by no means a guarantee. Right now, Keyshawn Hayes is predicted to be the eighth seed at Big Tens. That's crazy. The eighth seed. That's that doesn't make that doesn't even make sense to me. Well, let's let's look at who's ahead of him: Jason Nolf, yes, Tyler Berger, yes, Ryan Deacon, yes, Pantaleo, yes, Caleb Young, yeah, St- well, Caleb yeah. Young, yeah, yeah Steve Bleese. There, there's where you and lose Eric me. Barone. Well, he, he beat Barone last time they wrestled. I'm just saying, right? But I'm going to look at the body of work, right? Okay, right. they're going to look at the body of work, and there really is. And this is where you and I got to correct ourselves. You know, if we had a stat guy here to correct us, last week we talked about seating criteria for bigs. There really is no seating criteria for bigs. It's right. just coaches in there voting on it more or right. less. I'd be surprised if if Hayes is the eighth seed. I bet you he's not. Flo has him right now. Predicted, projected to be the eighth seed at Bigs. He will be no higher than six. Right. No higher. But than I don't six. think he's the eighth seed. I think he's probably the sixth seed at Bigs, and I think he's probably fighting for the top eight at NCAA's. That's my opinion. Okay, I, I, I hope so. But I, I mean, I, I'm, so. what I just said was, I'm not penciling him in to be an All American. 
Talk to me about your favorite Buckeye, Ethan <laughs> Smith. I, I thought that Ethan Smith looked pretty good. He finally got that. Now, Brandon Walmack, obviously, he was an All-American two years ago. He Or three years. Was it two? Yeah, two years ago. Two years ago. Hasn't quite had the, um, you know, the season that I think that people had thought um, over the past two years. But Ethan Smith did beat a, a, you know, a guy who was ranked above him in Brandon Walmack. And what he was able to finally do was finish some shots. That's where he's had trouble the past couple uh, matches against the elite. Oh, we've league. seen him get in on guys' legs all day long, but ultimately guys. just lose the scramble situations from those. Yeah, and he was able to finally do that against Walmack, who's a pretty scrambly guy as himself. So I thought that that was a nice win for Ethan Smith. I, I, uh, if I had to pick Ethan Smith, he's going to be a national qualifier, probably a two and two, maybe three and two type guy. I think Ethan Smith qualifying and going three and two would be huge for him this year, especially a guy that came on later in the season who we didn't expect to be even start this year, yeah. and is still just a freshman. Right. So I think that he's one guy that the, the Buckeyes have been able to develop into uh, into into a guy that's going to have something to say over the next three years about um, you know the NCAA's. Hey Ben, the one eighty four match. Yes, Miles Martin and Max Dean. Look, there's. I'm going to start this off with two comments. I think you can look at this from two different perspectives. One, Miles Martin is dominating his weight class every bit as much as Jason Nolf and Bo Nickel are dominating their weight classes. And I think a lot of times it's overlooked. But at the end of the day, to me, that's that's a fact. I don't think it could be debated. Now, secondly, looking at it from the other side, I thought up until maybe the last minute in the third period... Max Dean was wrestling really well. And when you combine that with what he's done over the last couple of weeks, his complete dismantling of Zach Zavatsky, then going out and following that up with a, a beatdown of Chip Ness, two All-Americans in the same weekend, and the way he was wrestling in this match for the first few minutes against Miles Martin, is Max Dean a guy that's, that could go from being ranked in the you know 10 through 15 range to possibly being a guy that comes out and makes that other final spot, depending on where he's at in the bracket? Yeah. Yeah, I think that Max Dean could make the finals. Um, I think I think the way he wrestled against Miles Martin was was very tactical. Um, you could hear his coaches saying, stay high level, stay high level. Right. You know, he was able to get in on that really deep, high-level Russian-style single. Um, you know, Max Dean is in the long line of six or seven other people that could make the finals at that weight class, depending on what side he ends up on, right? I it's mean, all going to be bracket. You don't want to end up on the same side as Miles. Because Miles Martin, I mean, Max Dean wrestled probably the best match he could have against Miles Martin Correct. and lost by seven points. You know, the only thing that he can say right now is that, that Miles didn't bonus me this time. He bonused me last time when they wrestled 10-0. But I think that there's not an other person in that bracket that Max Dean can't beat. What are you talking about? Taylor Venz, Parker, Shakur, ZZ Top. I mean, you know that um, entire bracket outside of Miles Martin is a, is a classic example of A beats B, B beats C, C beats A type we situation. Went after that, yeah, and, I, and we've talked about this before. Essentially, it's going to be it's going to fall in bracketing and who who the hot guy is that week. Right. And I mean, th- this match is showing me two things. One, Miles Martin is a it's continued to be a level or two above everybody else in this weight class. He's fun to watch. Yeah. Unfortunately, we haven't seen him against Shakur. And and that's no punches or no shots intended. But other than that, we've seen him against pretty much the best of the best, and it it ain't been close. Um, but but Dean is definitely up there. And you know, if you told me that Dean beat Shakur 
and Drew Foster and Vens to make the finals of the NCAA tournament, um, I would wouldn't be shocked at all. Well, we're going to have the opportunity to see Miles Martin versus Shakur Rashid at the Big Ten Wrestling Tournament. Um, right now, Flo has Shakur Rashid projected to be the seventh seed. I think there is a lot of validity to that based on who's ahead of him. From a who's beat who's perspective. From a who's beat yeah. who. And based on, yeah, I get it. Shakur Rashid does not have any losses right now, but at the end of the day, he doesn't really have any signature wins. Now, where I could see some shifting in that, and I don't even think it really matters because the six and the seven are on the same side of the bracket, correct? Yes. That's what I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. because the three, the three has the six, the four has the five, seven has the ten, eight has the nine, so that's okay. Right. Um, is they have Cam Caffey ahead of Shakur Rashid in their projections, and I think that Cam Caffey has taken a couple of bad losses recently. Yeah, um, that I don't I just know can't about look that. Past. Um, but uh, it could happen. Um, but I could see Rashid being um, seated ahead of him. And then you got guys like uh, Max Lyon from Purdue, Wilkie, Emery Parker, Taylor Vins, Miles Martin. Um, I, my hunch tells me we're probably going to see Miles Martin versus Shakur Rashid at the Big Ten Wrestling Tournament. I just got a hunch. Really? I do. Because I, I, I don't know where. I mean, if he's on the opposite side and he's got to wrestle a Vins or a Parker, I don't know. You know, I just I just don't know if Shakur is better than Vins and Parker. I just I, There's nothing I've seen. That's this year that's going to tell me that they're better than those two gentlemen. All right. Well, Maybe they are. Hopefully we get Maybe to see it. Is. I would love to see it. I, I think if we're going to see Shakur versus Miles, if I had to bet, it's going to be on the same side of the, the, on the same side. Because I'm not picking Shakur over Van Zor Parker at this point. Well, again, I, I think there's some validity to having Shakur Rashid seated as low as they have him, you know, whether it's seven or six, but I also think we could see him in the four or five spot as well. If that's the case, that'll be on the same side as Mymar, and right. I think there's a good chance we will see them wrestle in that situation. Yeah, Shakur is one, one, one of the wrestlers that I, I just don't know what we're going to get. He could be the best, second-best wrestler in the country, or he could be a sixth or seventh-ranked guy in the country, or sixth or seventh-best guy in the country. I just don't know, and I think that people that are saying, look at what he's done this year— Obviously, he's the second best wrestler in the country. I think that they're a little short sighted about what they're saying, and I think the people that say that he hasn't wrestled anybody, there's no, he's probably not good at all, is also is also being short sighted. So, my opinion is, well, really, my opinion is, I don't know what we're going to get out of him. Uh, yeah, exactly. Look, he's undefeated this year. Um, and I don't want to continue to beat a dead horse, but one of the things I just can't get out of my head is the fact that last year, you know, up. A weight class, up at least one weight class, maybe two weight classes. He was definitely an undersized 197 pounder. Weighted at 192. In a in a at a 197 weight that is legitimately was legitimately tougher than this year's weight class is. Now, granted, it didn't have Bo Nickel. He was 24 and five. He still finished seventh in the country. So what that tells me is that his optimal weight. With what we've seen from him, you and I, we've watched him wrestle. Right, a lot. I've, we, I've we, seen a lot. He passes of the eye test. Right. So you would think definitely passes the eyeball test. Yeah, you would think. That, I don't want to say you would think, that he is legitimately in the conversations as the number two guy in the country. He's in that conversation for sure. No doubt about it. If, if he finished second in the country, I would not be shocked at all. All right, you want to touch on Colin Moore at all? I thought Colin Moore had a statement win at 197 against Ben, Hon- ben Honus, who, you know, that was a really tight match at the Cliff Keen. Ben Honus, I think, had just beaten... Um, um, Brucky from Purdue, or not Purdue? Excuse me, no, Princeton from Princeton. He did beat Brucky, and his only loss this year. And Brucky was the number three ranked guy in the country. Honus is really coming on. 
and Colin Moore went out and just just basically did whatever he wanted against them, majored him fourteen to four. I thought that Colin Moore basically basically cemented the fact that hey, I'm the second best guy in the country at this weight with that win. Ben Honus only has three losses on the year. Two of those are to Colin Moore. Um, his third loss is the Noah Adams from West Virginia, who, um, while is not one of the top guys in this weight class, I think he might actually be a freshman, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's a redshirt freshman who's heavy, who is a tough guy in his own right. Right. Um, Colin Moore's beat down by Bo Nickel was going to do one of two things. Colin Moore was either going to shut it down and feel sorry for himself. Right. Or he was going to use it as motivation and, you know, to ignite him going into the postseason. That's why I like what I saw from Colin Moore in this match. To me, that's a Colin Moore that says, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm going to go out. I'm going to continue to work and continue to get better and try to get that second crack at Bo Nickel at the national tournament. I'm not sure the result's going to be differently. I'd like to think that Bo Nickel's not going to pin him in a minute. Okay, <laughs> Can I mean, we at least get a couple minutes? Seriously. But I would like to see Bo Nickel battle with him, okay, make it a match. You could not have said anything more perfect than what you just did. And, and I haven't thought about that, about Colin Moore and his mental um, fortitude and determination. After getting pinned by Bo Nickel, you really got one or two options. You shut it down and say, you know what, I can't win an NCAA title this year. So, you know what, let's let's see if I can do my best. Or you can go out a guy go out against a guy like Ben Honus, who, yes, he's never all American before, but he's also I mean, what's Honus ranked? He was probably he's probably a top end ranked guy. Uh, we'll call him. We'll say top top ten, top tw- top twelve, top twelve ranked guy who has given more fits before, and he beat him down. And not only did he beat him down, he looked really good on his feet. He finished his attacks cleanly. That's the biggest thing about Moore. When he's finishing cleanly, that's when he's at his best. If he's diving in and hanging on the legs and trying to finish and trying to do this and that, that's when he gets worn out. And that's when he has an Eric Schultz type match from Nebraska where he barely wins and has to take it to overtime. I forget. I think Schultz's first name's Eric, right? Correct. Yeah. So, but but even with that, look, you look at at Colin Moore's three matches since the Bo Nickel match. Um, he hasn't wrestled slouches by any means. Um, he wrestled Christian Brunner from Purdue, Eric Schultz from Nebraska, who gave Bo Nickel one of his closest matches of the year, Schultz if not the legit. closest. Schultz match is going to be a freaking top five guy this year. And then uh, obviously Honus. And since that loss at Nickel, he beat Brunner twelve to five. He beat Schultz in overtime seven to five, and that was a great match. But really, if you're looking at it from the Colin Moore perspective, his takedown in overtime was beautiful. It was confident. Very slick. And Exactly. And then he goes out. And those are guys that wrestle each other so many times. Correct, correct. And then obviously he goes out and he beats Ben Honus 14-4. to So in his last three matches since Bo Nickel, he's outscored his opponents something like, what, 35 to, we'll say, 14? Yeah. And these are three formidable, formidable opponents against three guys who will be fighting for we'll spots on the podium. probably call them all top 12 opponents, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I agree with you. I think that Colin Moore solidified his spot there as the number two ranked guy. And I, I think that if he wrestles a, a tournament like he does as a freshman, not as a sophomore at the NCAA tournament, I think he's going to be hard-pressed not to see Colin Moore versus Bo Nickel in the finals of the NCAA tournament. What it does, what what is good is that um, right now he's going to have to win the Big Ten tournament. But if he wins the Big Ten tournament, he's written his... He's written his he's cast his check as the number two seed, right? The, the, all he needs to do is stay against, stay on the opposite side of. Did you say if he wins the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, 
Who? Colin Moore. Oh, excuse me. If he wins second. the big, <laughs> he takes second. Uh, he takes second. He's definitely the. All he's got to do is wrestle to a seed. Yeah, and, he, and he's the second seed. And he's going to be the second seed in NCAA's. Now, if he wins the Big Ten tournament, he's going to be the first seed. That that is probably what would happen if he was to win the Big Ten wrestling tournament. So let's, hey, let's go, Colin. All right, um, let's talk about a couple of a uh, couple of other. Um, Big time individual matches that took place this weekend. Sure, let's do uh, it. First one, we got to give our boy Mitch Fine Silver a big shout out. Oh man, that was okay. a nice match. A nice, nice win against Austin O'Connor from North Carolina. I think this might be the second time these guys have, second or third time these guys have wrestled. I think this they, year. I think he's beaten. I think they split before, and I think that he's he got them two to one. I mean, he think he's, I think he's won. Um, two of the three they wrestled. Correct. So this was the third time they wrestled this year. Fine Silver got him early in the season, three to two, and then I think uh, Austin O'Connor got Mitch at the Cliff Keen, three to one, and here they are in the the duel this past weekend. And Fine Silver, Mitch, Mitchy boy, gets the takedown. You know, in the third period to win the match, six to four. Takedown and ride out. Props to Mitch Fine Silver. You talk about guys trending in the right direction. Take a look at his last. Basically, month of wrestling, he goes out. He beats All American Justin Oliver ten to nothing. Okay, a couple of weeks later, he beats a tough Ryan Blease from Virginia Tech. He then goes out against Matthew Zovistoski from App State, who last year people were expecting big things from before he injured himself and was out for the year. He majors him, and then he goes out and beats Austin O'Connor as well. Mitch Feinsilver is approximately twenty six and three right now. He is in contention depending on what's going to happen at the ACC's because he's going to have Justin Oliver and Austin O'Connor right. at the ACC's. That's a tough ACC. If he can come out as the ACC champ, we're looking at a guy, if he can win the ACC's, that can get a top three to five seed. I think he's a four seed then. Let, let's let's look at it right now. Anthony Ashnall's number one. Kalodzic's number two. That was before Kalodzic's loss. Micah three. O'Connor four. He just lost. Mahler five. The feller six. So can just I, I just want to ask you something. I think you're basing this based either on rankings. Or rankings number, right now. No, I'm talking rankings. Losses. Okay. If rankings before the losses from this weekend. If, but I kind of, think, I'm, I'm thinking that he's going to jump all the way up to. I think Fine four. Silver has a chance or to be to be seated five. ahead of Kalodzic. Fine Silver has no bad losses this year, and he's got great wins. Great wins. He's beaten Austin O'Connor twice. He's beaten Justin Oliver. Those are just a couple. Josh Heil, he's beaten Josh. He's got a lot of top 10 wins. His only losses, Austin O'Connor, Anthony Ashnault, and Caden Gefeller. Well, that's the problem, Gefeller. Is it a problem? He's also had some weird losses. But he's still, he's still a top five, top seven guy. It's going to come down to that damn Gefeller loss. Spitgate loss. Spitgate. If he'd beaten Gefeller there, which he really should have, he would be probably seated fourth or third. We've third. seen the Excuse committee me, see guys higher that have more losses based on the quality of opponents they've beaten. It's all going to be strength of schedule, RPI, coaches rank. Where do you got him? Because Gefeller just lost. I think your top two to are going to be. Look, I think your top two are going to be Ashnault and Micah Jordan. Okay, There's no doubt about let's that. Let's just pencil those guys in yeah. as your top two seeds. So then it basically comes down to. Kalodzic or Mitch Feinsilver. And I Brock think Mahler. Who just lost again. He just lost. Mahler just lost to Deegan. Yeah, he just lost to Deegan. So I think right now there is a legitimate case to be made that we may see Mitch Feinsilver in the three spot, but 
like you like you said, probability is stating four or five. But I think there is a case for the three spot. Hmm. I hope there is. I wish the boy the best of luck. He's one of our favorite guys to watch wrestle. We're rooting for him hard. Great win for him this weekend. I agree. Another big match that took place. Nick Renan versus Zach Zavatsky. Did you watch it? I, I watched it. I did. Oh, Renan came out the gate throwing headlock. that headlock. He's going headlock. Zavatsky fought off, two it. off of he it. He only got two points. Yeah. Zavatsky was able to fight that out. That's all he had. And then Zavatsky dominated the rest of the way. Talk about it again. It's like the enigma at 184. Nobody wants a second seed. I think Zavatsky now is probably you got to. If you hadn't had him before, Zavatsky's probably the two. Well, we talked about this before when right. we said, you know, who's number two work for? Who's number two? Who does number two yeah. work for? Uh, you know, I, 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 even Virginia after, Tech. I even mean, after the chaos from last weekend, I still had Zavatsky as the number two guy in the country. And I was Zavatsky Arena. That's where I was at. And so it, now yeah, it was settled there. Now, granted, they're going to see each other again. ACC tournament. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but I like Zach Zavatsky at this point as the number two guy. One last thing I'd like to say is that it was nice to see Tariq Wilson back on the mat again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. um, Tariq obviously had that injury against Luke Pletcher, had been out for a significant period of time. Comes back, he beats a very formidable Corbin Myers, who I think had already beaten Philippi this year. He beats him 6-1. to I think Tariq is another guy that's just, you know, he's going to turn 133 on its head. All right, so we're wrapping things up here about an hour and 30 minutes into this podcast. One of the questions I've been wanting to ask you is we did our championship picks a few weeks ago, about a month ago actually, and a lot's happened since then. And I'm quite certain that you and I both have some weight classes that we might want to take back or make a change at. I'm going to specifically ask you about 125. We both picked Spencer Lee. Are you still picking him? To be the March, you know, the, the March sensation, the sensation, the guy that goes out there when the lights are on to win it all. Or do you have yourself, are there doubts now? And if so, who are you picking to win that weight class? Big doubts. Big doubts. Who are you picking to win that weight then? Oh, you're going to make me pick right now. I'm just saying, look, we don't have to, we're not, not like we're making the official bracket picks and this all that. This isn't our stuff. official bracket picks. No, but, but I'm just right saying, now, like, right yeah. now. Rivera. Nothing that Piccinini did in that match makes you think he's the guy. Oh, man. A lot that he did in that match makes me think he's the guy. But I haven't seen him against Rivera, and I, Rivera, Rivera's got the better win against Presser. Um, yeah, I, I'm, based on what I saw with Spencer Lee there, I, I'm not that confident in that pick, and I, I like Rivera. What about you? I have a lot of doubts as well. I'm still going to go Spencer Lee when the lights are on okay. right now. Hey, I'm, I'm not gonna, I, I reserve I'm not the gonna, right to do that. I'm not going to retract on my statement from about a I month ago. I reserve the right to do that later now, on. I want to look at brackets when they come out and all that good stuff. You know, do, do the whole bracketology stuff that oh, we love. Yeah, do it. But um, I still can't. Look, I just I can't get out of my head the run that, that, that Spencer Lee made last year. And it's look, Spencer Lee is still Spencer Lee. He's still one of the greatest wrestlers to come into college in a long time. And we saw what he did last year. It does not mean that that's still out of the cards for him. All right, you got anything else you want to touch on? Nah, man, I'm good. All right, my man. Well, there you have it. I guess we can say this podcast episode concludes the Inside Trips 2018-2019 regular season NCAA Men's Division One podcasting experience. Man, it was a good ride. It was fun. It was a fun ride. I tell you one thing. It's only going to get crazier from here. The best has yet it's to come. It's only going to get crazier from here, and I cannot wait. I want brackets in my hands right, right now. Right now. I, 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 I'm so excited. Dude, 
Do you ever stop and sit and think about that first time you and I made the trip to the NCAA tournament? March. I'm sorry. Not March. I meant St. Louis, March of 2012. Logan Stever's first title. Over J.O. Oh, my goodness. What were we doing? When we, we snuck down, out. when we snuck down to the uh, the lower bowl to watch his semifinal match with uh, with Tony Ramos, and yeah, we realized we're sitting in, in the, the Iowa, Iowa section. section. <laughs> and Greg had to pull out his Hawkeye tattoo and to save us. They were not happy with us. Oh my goodness! Thankfully, we were the friend that, for some reason, happens to have an Iowa Hawkeye tattoo on his arm for whatever no reason. Joke. No reason. I'm not joking to you. Yeah, the guy has no reason to have it, but he has an Iowa Hawkeye tattoo on his arm. <laughs> and then we were like family. Yeah, then they were like, all right, just don't yell too loud. But they kicked us out as soon as the, the, the Christmas dinner was over. Oh, man, that was – it's been real fun following college wrestling with you, and I cannot wait for this postseason, baby. It's going to be amazing. All right, guys, that's all for you this episode. The Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 83, is in the books. We hope you enjoyed it. Go out there, find the podcast, subscribe, download, listen, rate, review. Hit us up with some feedback. One thing don't do, my friends – Don't wind up on your back, bro.